Welcome to Her Digital Brand, a show where we interview female founders and leaders of some of the best brands on the internet. I'm your host, Kyler Nixon, and in just a minute, I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Brad Bishop. Today on the show, we have Katie Taylor, founder of Child Life On Call. She's going to give us a really unique perspective on how to custom develop an app from scratch. Let's jump in. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I already know this is like going to be... We're not going to be able to stop laughing. Katie, uh, welcome to the show. I'm going to keep that in. I don't care. Um, We're so glad you're here. It's always good to see you. Everyone, (laughs) why are we laughing already? Why is Brad hiding? I don't know. I'm just like, okay. Oh my gosh. I'm here. Okay. Uh, Hi, Katie. Thank you for being here. Um, Can you, uh, we always just kind of jump right in. Can you just give us like an overview of Child Life on Call? the brand, um, I, I don't know, any kind of background information that you want to share is, is cool. Yeah, sure. Hey, everybody. I'm Katie Taylor. Uh, I happen to be Kyler and Brad's favorite all-time client. So just congratulations for getting to hear this episode that I had to ask <laughs> to be on, by the way. Oh, my, so this that's is how they treat true. their favorites. That is not true. Uh, but anyway, I am what's called a child life specialist. If you have never heard of that, no, that's pretty normal for us. We're constantly explaining what we do, but we are basically child development and psychosocial experts in the healthcare space, helping children and families cope with medical diagnoses and uh, pain management and anything that has to do with challenging life events from preemies all the way up to 18. And then we also support children of adult patients. So we kind of run the gamut. Um, if you don't know what child life is, that means you probably haven't spent time in a pediatric hospital, which is good. Um, and child life on call was developed actually as a podcast. So, um, I'm the most experienced podcast voice that you hear here during this interview. Well, here's the Um, thing, Katie, that no one, I don't think Brad even knows this. I was on a four season podcast unrelated to business and marketing and I was a co-host. So maybe we'll compare, you know, longevity. No one knows that I've never shared that on the podcast, but here we are. What other secrets are we going to get to hear from you? I'm a very diverse man. You know, I'm a man (laughs) man of many talents. Wait, wait, wait. What was the podcast about? Were you acting? So, uh, no, you would think based on my extensive theater experience, um, (laughs) which is untrue. I did a high school play once. Uh, No. So we did um, when when we first became Story Brand Guides or when I did, um, I had a podcast with a buddy called Solving Problems. And we worked with churches on Story Brand, integrating Story Brand into their church. So we did like four, four seasons think, of that. I think so. the question is, Kyle, how many episodes did you do? So we did, well, we did four seasons and we did 15 episodes a season. So 50, 60 episodes, which is, I guess, probably still less than you, but definitely more than no, Brad. That, that's super impressive. <laughs> did y'all edit it and do the whole thing? So I was lucky because I was not the primary runner of the show. So I just got to show up when they told me to record mm. and then dip out after. So I didn't okay. see how the sausage gets made. So now when we're, you know, we're building this podcast in real time, which we've shared a little bit and we're yeah. like in the thick of like, you know, editing all of our first kind of batch of episodes and all that stuff. And it's a ton of freaking work. It's a ton yeah. of work, like finding yeah. the right song. We spent like forever, like going through, you know, Soundstripe and like finding the right song and. Uh, you know, writing our intro and like we're, we're working on cover art right now, which, you know, people would see when this comes out. And so it's a lot of work. So I definitely have more appreciation for, for you. I'm going to well, bring guys, this conversation can... 
that. Yeah, Brad, go. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if you can tell I'm such an experienced host that I only know how to ask questions and audience them. <laughs> so tell us um, about, yeah, so I, I really want to dig into the platform of Child Life on Call because sure. it's very different. Okay. So you said it started Thanks. as a podcast. So we started as a podcast. Um, this is kind of like a side note, but I've always been interested in kind of the integration of child life services, healthcare, and technology. And so the podcast was the first big thing we did back in 2017, really giving parents who had a child with an illness or they were going through a medical experience, a place to share their stories um, so that other parents could listen in and nod their head in agreement and be like, yeah, I felt that way. And I think the coolest thing we learned from that was that you don't really have to have a child who has the exact same illness or diagnosis, but a lot of the feelings um, and experiences are very similar. So that's where that was born from. And then um, I, my career uh, has been clinical and I've worked in both large children's hospitals that are standalone in addition to smaller children's hospitals. And what I really noticed throughout was that if your family was had the opportunity to get child life services, your experience was amazing. You had resources, you had an advocate for you, you had a liaison, your child knew what was happening, their sensory needs were taken care of. Um, so it's just this whole aspect of care that is really important. Um, the problem is that we only see about 30 to 50% of patients that walk through a hospital door. So we're really missing a lot of the families that we're seeing. So for me, that's a lot of health inequity, right? This family in this room gets a totally different experience than the others. And not to say that their experience still, still isn't great because it's a great care team. It's just different. And so how can we bridge that gap without overextending child life specialists? Because we're already, as you can imagine, a very emotionally burnt out profession, um, much like nurses and teachers and social workers. Um, we deal with really heavy cases uh, and then we already leave the day feeling burnt out. So how can we help child life specialists, but how can we also expand child life ser services to more uh, patients and families? And so the way that to do that is to get on a device that everybody is already using. So you'd think, yes, the child life phone call app, that's, that's perfect. But as Brad and Kyler kind of hinted at the beginning, there are several challenges when it comes to building technology um, from nothing. Uh, and so I'm glad that I'm on this now. And <laughs> the advice I give you is the advice that I wish that I had when we were starting out. I love it. So, okay. So let's hang out there for, for a little bit, because I think like we mentioned before we started recording, like you are a bit of a unicorn in that you had the idea for an app, but you didn't just kind of stop at like, Oh, is this something I could do? Like you, you've actually now have like a functioning app and you've gone through the full development process and like you're, you're sort of on the tail end of that, even though I know like a lot is still, you know, kind of left to be done. So uh, for those who don't know what that process looks like, and just to be clear, I'm not talking about going online to some of these app creators and paying 50 bucks for the software and like DIYing an app in a weekend. While I think that has its place and that's awesome. Like we're, we're talking like full app development right now that solves a major problem, has tons of features and functionality. So can you just kind of like walk through what that process sort of looked like for you um, start to where you're at now? Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of Canva, um, at the very beginning, the, the way I've always kind of gotten my ideas onto paper is just by writing them down, sketching them out, putting them on, on something like Canva, and then really kind of shopping around with, is this idea possible? How can we do it? And so I think you have a few different choices when it comes to building an app. 
Um, I think you can continue down that route and kind of bootstrap it and use all those free things that Kyler is talking about. And I think that that actually does serve a purpose for you because it validates your idea and you can use it as your MVP, which is your minimum viable product. So it doesn't cost a lot of money and you can start to really understand how, how is this going to work? I think the other option is that you can go full digital agency and they walk you through the idea, the concept, the customer, the profiling, um, design sprints, and then together you create with this, this company that really kind of walks you through top to bottom. And then you go through all the different beta phases and then, um, you can continue on and either, you know, I'm sticking with the full service agency that I stuck with and they're now our IT support as we move forward, as we are in hospitals. So um, for me, it was a win-win because I was starting uh, from the very beginning without any information and they really helped me flesh out. I really wanted that support. Of course, it's costly. It's an investment. Um and would I do it a different way now, knowing what I know? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm also really happy with the the product that we ended up with. Um, but there, there are always changes that will come with technology. And so I think it's all about that relationship too. Um, if you start with the wireframes in a cheaper way and you kind of pull different consultants to come in and help you, that's great. Um, but I've really liked having a team that I can literally text any time of the day and um, they can be there to support me and, and help me problem solve. So one of the one of the questions that comes up a lot, I think, when people ask about apps is, one, how expensive are they? Two, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I'm sure every agency has their own models, of course, but like some agencies, they don't require any down payment. They're like, they want a chunk of your business right? Mm -hmm. They want like a percentage of revenue to build the app. And then I think it's your direction. You just went straight up. Like you paid straight up for the app. Is that right? Yeah. And actually the, the company that I am working with right now, they don't do, and they don't take any equity. They want you to be, to have full autonomy over this app, right? They want it to belong to you. And that's kind of the beauty of this company is they're like, we just want to help you build what you want to build, but we want to help you do it the right way. Um, so it is more expensive that way. When you ask about cost, it's totally about the number of hours that it takes something to get done. So, um, I searched all over the U S, um, to try to find a company that really fit with what I was doing. But what I found is they were then contracting with companies in the Ukraine or contracting with companies in India. And so I went and I started just talking to those companies directly. And so now my company is out of India. So rather than, you know, paying a middleman here in the U S I have a relationship with the, with the firm that's actually doing the work. And that was important to me. And, and their CEO, um, meets with me once a month and we, we talk about our plans. Um, you know, I know that they've built reputable things for that they've shown me and some of their work and I've just. I've just been so happy. I feel like it was definitely a unicorn getting to pair up with them. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here though. So if, if I'm a brand and I'm, I want to do an app and I'm doing that research that you just, you know, spoke about, what are the, now that you've walked through that, what are some things I need to look for in an app company if I'm doing that research? Yeah. If you're looking for a full service agency, I think sometimes they do disguise themselves on things like Fiverr 
and, um, you know, Upwork or something like that. I actually think that's how I met the company that I'm working with now as kind of these single software engineers. And the more you interview and talk with them, um, the more you learn about the services that they actually have. I mean, I would stick with a reputable company that already does business here in the U.S. if that's where you're based out of. Um, and I had about three companies that I went through. I mean, it took me about three and a half months to even just find the company we wanted to work with because that's how serious we were about finding the right fit, um, especially for my brand. And I'm sure a lot of people feel this way. I feel like Child Life is a very specific product that was trying to get into healthcare. So I really wanted to find the company that that shared that vision and was able to complete it. Particularly too, like making sure you're speaking the same language i'm sure because you're not just like you're not making flappy bird on your phone right like where you say tell the bird to go up when it you know when i tilt my phone and the bird to go down when i tilt my phone that like you're dealing with like medical terms you're dealing with like some specificity around like us hospital systems and the way that those things are set up and so having a company who is able to like one not just understand that but two like be able and willing to like dive into understanding that more alongside of you um is really important and like i have obviously seen the app like brad has seen the app and like the outcome of that is just incredible and i i didn't know that you had outsourced it overseas so it like actually kind of surprised me that you that really? you said that. So yeah, it's, it literally looks, looks incredible functions really well. And that it, it surprises me. But that said, we have some friends who I know that have built apps overseas and have absolutely loved it. So it, it doesn't surprise me that you found great talent outside of the U S but I, I didn't know that your app was, mm, was not built. Here. Yeah. And I think the, I mean, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours is what it takes to get through these design sprints and to try different sprints out. And um, the other thing to think about when you're outsourcing over to a place like India is they mostly use Android. So we're really relying on US um, you know, customers and beta testers to see if the Apple products work because that's a lot of what we use. So um, there's a lot of things that you have to think about that you would have never considered beforehand. Um, but it depends who you're selling your app to. I think um, we are looking for uh, a population customers that we serve that um, have both Android and iOS. So having what's called a cross-platform cross platform app is, was really important to us rather than just having like a native iOS only on Apple. You're totally teeing up my next question perfectly, and that is, yeah, yeah, is what 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 surprised you during this process? Because I mean, you didn't know a lot about apps going into this, so as you walk through that process, what are some of the surprises you encountered? Um, I think one of the most surprising things was the lead that I still had to take on the project. Like I assumed that the app developers were going to kind of just, they did do a great job of, you know, kind of shuffling me through the process, but they're like, this is up to you. Like, do you want it here or here? Do you want your terms of service here or here? Um, and you know, I'm like, well, what do other people normally do? And they could give me ideas, but ultimately like it, there's a lot of research that has to be done. So it's time taking not only in the developing, but also in um, looking at other apps that you like. So, you know, my app is very different than say Instagram, but what are the parts of Instagram that I like and that are really easy and user-friendly that everybody loves using and how can I integrate that into my app? Um, and so I think just really understanding your user is the most important thing. And don't create an app that you would use yourself 
um, use a, you know, you want to create an app that everybody would use. So you want to make sure that it's not just something that works for you. It has to work for everybody. I like that a lot. Um, I feel like the app creation process from what I understand, obviously we haven't like built apps ourselves, but you know, reasonably aware of it. Like I feel like more the app process more than anything else is very much a, you get what you pay for type of process. And what I mean by that is like, if you're expecting to, you know, spend a thousand dollars, you're going to get a thousand dollar app. Right. And if you have a million dollars, like more than likely you're able to find an agency who might have a UI UX designer on staff who can guide you through some of that process and can do the market research for you and kind of everything in between. And so like, has that been, been your experience where you feel like, okay, I'm making this investment because I know that I'm sort of getting what I'm paying for on the, on the other side of this. Yeah, absolutely. When I was looking for the right company um, to fit what we were trying to develop, I had a lot of lowball offers that were really tempting, right? Some guy to be like, I, I know I can do all of this for five grand. And then everybody else was quoting me at like an hourly rate. And they're saying, well, mm-hmm. we think it's probably going to be this long to do this project here. And those are really the people that I gravitated towards because to tell me five grand, yes, you can do it. Realistically, it was never going to stop at five grand. Right. It was going to keep going up. So for me, I really liked the hourly thing. And then I they had estimates on how long a specific project or function of the app would take to build. Um, and then that made a lot more sense to me. And then you can look at competitive pricing from 15 to $25 an hour to 30, um, kind of based on the experience that you're looking at. You mentioned sprints, Katie. So like Mm -hmm. with development agencies, like we we're a marketing agency and we have a little bit more of a fixed pricing model because we do know, like we know how to go from point A to point B and there's not a lot of variation between clients with development agencies. There's so many variables and so many things they can do is, uh, can you just run through like really quick, if no one has heard that term, what a, a typical kind of sprint looks like did you have a set number of hours and then you had an hourly rate inside of that and however much gets done gets done or did they set it up a little bit differently for you yeah the way they set it up for us was kind of this is our estimated final product offer with all of the work that we wanted to get done and then from there we divided it into i think it was four or five different sprints and at the end of every sprint there was a payment due but the payment wasn't paid until that everything within that sprint was done so let's say we're looking at a list of 100 items that we wanted completed in the full project and we spaced it down between 15 and 20 items and i paid at the end of that sprint so at any time I could have walked away and gone to another, you know, program or ended my contract with them and have had and owned that portion of the app. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you do have some flexibility there between sprints. Um, but what you, I think you learn is that they learn your style, you learn their style, and then you start to work together really well. How much input did they give you? Like, Hey, we think you should do this. We think this actually might perform better. Uh, not enough. I mean, probably five to 10%. And that's like me begging them, like, please tell me, what do you think? And then they'll tell me and I'll probably end up doing something different anyway. So I think you really have to understand what your user wants to experience before you go into this, because even with a full service agency, they're creating an app for you. You know, you're paying them to do your job that you're trying to create. How much did the app change from your original vision to what it is now? Not a ton. Um, if anything, it just got um, 
it just got better. You know, I was very novice in what I had wanted to create and what I was hoping for. And I think they took my ideas and they made it so much better and, and way more user-friendly. Um, and I think using your resources as far as family and friends go, if you have somebody that, you know, in UX or UI, send it to them. And I did that and got some great info about, um, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me to have that intro when you get into an app that says here are the four steps you do to introduce you to the app. Or, you know, that when you log on to convert kit and it's like, we've started something new and it kind of walks you through the three new things that they have. So now we have that for our parent users on the app. So as soon as you log in, it tells you what a child life specialist is and the three important things you need to know. That's something that a friend told me. So just, you know, using your resources and talking to everybody, um, it, I think is a, is a good way to go. And so now the app is live, you're licensing it to hospitals. Um, okay. So if you could go back in time and do this again, with what you know now, what would you do differently? I think I, so I started out with four users within my app because of kind of the way that our program is set up. I think I would have started with one user. It would have been significantly cheaper. And then I could have trialed that user experience with a smaller subset. So now I'm going out with four different users and trying to gather data and metrics about how they're using the app. It would have been way easier <laughs> to just start with one and, and learned how that went first. So just to clarify, because we've seen the app, like obviously we all kind of know mm. what you're talking about, but like inside of the Child Life on Call app, there are four, when you say users, there are essentially four kind of sub apps inside of the same same app. Correct. So you have yeah. like, you can log in as a parent, as a child, as a uh, child life specialist, as a uh, medical provider, like you can kind of have all of these different areas that someone can go through the app. And I was wondering about that when you were talking, because you didn't just have to think about the parent experience or just the child experience or the child life specialist experience. Like you had to think about all of those and sort of how those interlap, overlap and intertwine themselves. Like I, I don't still don't know how you did that. Like it's still, it's kind of blows my mind because the app is just so polished for having four different audiences. Yeah. A lot of the information is the same. Um, thank you for that feedback that I always love hearing how much, honestly, Kyler, like when you and I first met back in the day and you saw the app and you're like, oh my God, I have to go show this to my wife. You're yeah. like, you know, and I had an experience when I was 16, like um, yeah, that kind I of still feedback, feel that way. It's really cool. So yeah. yeah, I think for me, a lot of the content is the same within the user experiences, but that's my child life person talking. Uh, a UX user experience is so different for each person. And I think that's where um, I definitely could have changed. So although the content is very similar within the app, if the smaller, you know, functions that you can take and see if those work first, the better you're going to be. I think uh, an app feels really cool and sexy and fun mm. and like, oh, we've got this app. Like if someone's listening to this and they have a digital brand and maybe they have a, they're in a similar space where they have like kind of all of this educational stuff and they want to be able to support their audience in a different way and their brain goes to app. What are some types of brands or some types of people that maybe an app isn't the best fit for if you're able to speak to that? Like if you're like, Hey, I went through mm -hmm. this process and now that I've gone through it, if I had a brand that 
or if I wasn't ready for this, I wouldn't recommend doing it. Or if I didn't have my brand set up this way, I wouldn't recommend doing it. I think if you are looking to build community, there are a lot of apps out there that you can, you know, kind of white label as your mm-hmm. own. And so I think a community function within an app, if that's what you're trying to build, I would not go out and try to build your own product. I would look for being able to white label an existing one. Um, if you're going into health tech though, I think, uh, it's kind of a thriving time to really look at creating your own. That would kind of be my advice to that question. Um, sharing resources. I mean, I don't know. I think it is probably a mix of both of looking at, are you, are your community community members sharing resources? Are you giving resources away? Um, there are a lot of affordable ways to do that without building the whole app experience. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. We are um, kind of in the middle of, we, we hinted at this before we started recording, but we are building out our kind of membership uh, community that we're opening it first to our clients and then maybe eventually to, to others outside of our client base. And I actually had the thought, I don't think I even told you this, Brad. I was like, well, what if we created an app that you know allowed all of our people to connect and we can do this? Well, the quicker I got into it, I'm like, well, there's so many tools out there that solve that problem for us. And so I think what you're saying is like, if a no code solution, which is just, there are so many out there right now, or a website can solve that problem for you, or you can create it on that platform. There's not really a need for an app. Whereas with you, like it didn't exist. It would have been really challenging to create through a website. Uh, it would have been ha- had tons and tons of problems. So an app makes perfect sense. But I think like to your point, if you're saying I want a community feature, I want this other feature, I would first start and see if your website or a no code solution can do that for you uh, and then go from go from there. I even think about um, Farmish, Brad Tara, who we interviewed, and she is basically an online marketplace for farmers to sell their uh you know, small batch farmers to sell their stuff to people in their community. And that is something she could easily create in a no code kind of environment. Mm -hmm. So she didn't need to invest tons and tons and tons of money into a custom developed app because the software and functionality that she was looking for already existed. So I think that's probably a good, like, should I get an app or not? If it already exists, or you can build it on your website in a no code way, like, I would probably start there <laughs> before going yeah. down this, this journey. I, I think so. And really listening to your users within that no code solution. Like, are they asking for more? Like, is there more that you want to continue building? But I think it's a good place to start is with that kind of um, that that first version that you can get online and, and just have be a really affordable solution for your business. Something that interests me that I think is an important Thing we should talk about is really how the app is utilized within your business model because mm-hmm. the app is not your only way of making money right? right so right now the business model is to license the app to hospitals can you talk about some of the challenges you've experienced with that or how the how you're utilizing the app within your business model yeah i think um specifically for us so we are like a primarily b2b solution so looking at partnering with uh healthcare companies that serve children um and getting them to pay for the users so our customer is actually different than our users 
Um, I think another way you can monetize an app is through ads, right? But that's not something that we, a road that we wanted to go down. Um, you can actually look at technology grants. I've been really kind of looking at grants lately and they're really interested in how your technology that you're creating can, how they can fund you to support, um, you know, different types of people from all different backgrounds. But yeah, so as far as Child Life on Call goes, our primary source of income um, is through the digital app that is licensed through hospitals, but child life specialists also need continuing education. And so we have courses that they can take. Uh, The podcast generates a little bit of revenue. And so we're really uh, looking at alternative forms um, because one thing I did not know, and I probably should have looked into is the long sales process of hospitals. So I can give you like one example is that we started talking with a hospital last October and we're, we're still talking with them. (laughs) The door isn't closed. It isn't wide open. It just takes a long time. Um, So for these really high uh, price items, the process is just longer. And then you get into healthcare and it's even longer. So finding these alternative solutions to to make revenue is important. Hospitals are like the government, like they move at a glacial speed. Totally. And in email too. I mean, a month will go by and then they're like, hi, just getting back to you. And you're like, no, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. I'm fine. It's gotta be hard too, because you go into those sales meeting, the pitch goes really well. You're super excited. But then it's like 90 days and you haven't heard anything. And it's not necessarily a no, it's just right. they, they haven't had a meeting about it yet. Totally. Yeah. So I, I want to put a bow on kind of the, the app business model conversation. Then we're going to run into a, a couple of fun questions at the end that we always ask everyone. But I think um, one thing that is helpful in the way that we've kind of like worked alongside of you is if you think about um, the way that your, let's call it a sales funnel works or like an offer funnel or a product funnel or whatever, is like you do have this really high investment app, right? So like the what you're selling that to the hospitals for is a lot of money, right? So one sale is, 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 is a ton of success and a lot of revenue for you, but there are some steps kind of like earlier up the funnel that help. And whether those generate a ton of revenue isn't really the point. The point is that you've kind of intentionally created this system for being able to even get in the door in the first place. And so uh, if you're listening, the what I kind of think about particularly with Katie is like, you have these free resources, like you have your blog, you have your podcast, you have downloads, then you have some like lighter paid resources, things that people can, can pay for to download or whatever. Then you have your CEUs, your continuing education. Do you call them, what do you call them? They're not CEUs for you. PDUs. PDUs. Yeah, I've same heard thing. the same acronym like <laughs> 10 times. So yes. what that does allow you to do is, yeah, make a little bit of revenue, but also open the door for trust with your uh, a member of your audience being the child life specialist, which could potentially then open the door to get into the hospital. And then obviously you have, you know, your app and, and a couple other things going on. So I think it's helpful to like, think about that. If you are thinking about a really high ticket app or a B2B product or something, what are some of those lower uh, investment areas for people to be able to get involved with your business, starting with free and then kind of working your way up? And I feel like you've done that, um, done that well, and we'll continue to kind of flesh out what that, what that looks like. So, yeah. And I think Brad, um, I'm going to give you credit for something. Congratulations. It never happens. No, um, you really suggested you're like, you need to make one of your PDUs free. And one of the thing about child life on call PDUs is we are the most affordable PDU for child life specialists as we are a highly underpaid, um, profession. And as soon as I made one of them free, God, he was right. 
A he, lot of people he, signed up, y'all. Uh, a br- a so broken guess, clock is right twice a day. Right. So <laughs> that's uh, you know, that's that's. I'm just kidding. Uh, that I doesn't surprise me. We love awesome. we love you, Brad. We love you. Yeah. That's awesome cool. though. Like so that like so I I don't know I don't know what I was gonna say that just that means a lot. Thank you. I'm glad that worked and you're, you're um, so I know welcome. We've had a lot of conversations about how to because you have this long sales cycle, so you have to. There's got to be revenue coming in in between those, in between the cycles. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, and I I think brilliant. it's. A- I think it's important to say too, is that we, we have investor money in this, um, to build the app, you know, honestly, the PDU is not going to pay for the app itself. So we, we started with a friends and family round to really become a startup. And so that's what allowed us to, to pay for that. Um, so, cause it is expensive, but you know, I'm happy to answer any questions or chat with you guys about the company that I use. So please feel free to, you know, reach out and pick my brain. You sent me a really helpful article. Yeah. Uh, is that yeah. something you can share or not? Yeah. It, he, it's the CEO of the company that I'm working for. Um, he just wrote a book called the zero hiccup way to build a healthcare or to build a technology company. Um, and so it's a really helpful workbook, which just kind of takes all of the like SAAS. What does that mean? What is iOS, Android cross platform mm. native? What do those things mean? And helps the lay person <laughs> nice. understand what he's talking about. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you, you sent it to me. It was pretty in depth. Uh, it was it was really good. Yeah, that was the first chapter. Yeah. Oh, that was one chapter. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. We have some fun questions. Okay. I know. I hope you've thought about this. Too. I mean, this is a big deal. So the first one is: What recent purchase of a hundred dollars or less has most positively impacted your life? It can be anything. Oh, okay. I thought it had to be about business. No, not this question. No, we've gotten some interesting answers on this one. Oh, gosh. I still think okay. the most interesting one, Kyler may, may disagree, but the most interesting one for me is someone said knitting needles. Yes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's, a stress it's kind reliever. of like a hobby. Yeah, yeah. Stress reliever. Yeah. I mean, I'm drinking the Orange Theory Kool-Aid right now. Oh, look at you getting up early and doing that. 5 a.m. Love getting my butt kicked. Somebody tell me what to do. But then here's the thing. By 2 p.m., you're like, did I work out today? Oh, I'm already done. I forgot. So, <laughs> I'm going to let that I, answer slide, even though I... Orange it's theory, not a good one, is it? No, no. it's not that it's not good. It's not $100 or less. Maybe $100, $100 less a, a month. month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, word. so my wife went to, you know, because they give you one free workout. And yeah. she went to They're the so generous. Work- yeah, no, she went to the one free workout and she's in shape. Like she works out every day, but she went to orange theory and she came home and she thought she was going to die. Yeah. You don't feel good after like, don't think you're going to feel good after it's going to hurt. But for somebody who really likes, I'm, I mean, I kind of like pain. It's kind of interesting, right? It's a different feeling than you have a lot. So why not just go for it? But I want to think of a better answer. I mean, that's a good answer. It's yeah, helped your a life. Good answer. I mean, you know, those new Birkenstocks that are kind of look like they're white and they're plastic. Yeah. I like those. Yeah. I just bought some in black. Did for, you? Yeah. I mean, they're men's, but they're, yeah. That's good. Well, I'm we're, happy yeah. with that. We're going to, to we're that. going to Hilton Head, <laughs> South Carolina with my wife's family in about a week. And I always take my nice, nice Burks and they always get time. ruined and sand gets in them and then they get wet. And so now I'm like, I'm good to go. 
Get your wife some matching ones and then y'all can be. She cute. has every, she wears Burks oh. from the time it stops being above freezing or the time it stops freezing to like the time it starts snowing. That's like oh, okay. her go-to. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We got you. I still need to chat with her, by the way, about yes. the app. I want to talk yeah. with her. Let me know. I'll set it up. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, all right. Second question. What platform software or app could your business not live without? And it can't be social media. Okay. God, this is going to go back to Brad too. And I hate that. (laughs) What a great day for you. I'm ready. This is the best day of your life. So no. So Brad recommended this super low budget course, Justin Welsh, the LinkedIn. Yes. It has gotten me so much lead generation and um, transparency in the field of healthcare and God, it was good, but y'all use my link. If no, if Kyler puts it out <laughs> there, I was just about to say Brad's. that we're going to, we're going to link to it and we'll see. Who no, link no, it is. I'll link, I'll link to it. Um, we should in put my both bio in of Instagram. Yeah. See who okay. gets more. Pick yeah, your we'll favorite. Yeah. yeah. Right. Guys, uh, I need the money. Okay. So, okay. So I'm okay. I'm interested. I want to dive into that because one of Justin's thing is Justin, if you read his stuff, he's fantastic on LinkedIn. He's also really good on Twitter, but he plays the contrarian a lot. And like, he likes mm. to say something that kind of gets you like, you know, yeah, riled up a little bit. Do you play that role? I did that. And I got like 60,000 views. Really? I talked about um, child life specialist pay and it was out there. Um, and it got shared and like, people were like, are you Jeez. kidding me? And it was all because of his course. I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and he said something in the way that I've never thought about it is like, you're not creating content, you're creating attention. And I like, I've heard that before, but I just thought that was like fascinating. Like you're, you're buying people's attention with your, the stuff you put out online. I, I actually thought, I thought you said at first that you're, you're, you're creating tension. Not a tension, but oh, I also attention. think he, but yeah. but I also think that he too. Us think you need to create tension. For sure. I mean, I kind of, I mean, I guess I. It doesn't mean that we are those people all the time, but right. we right. can do that to generate business and attention. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who knows? Know. Just take the course and find out. Click the link below. He has an incredible affiliate program. Yeah, he does. We should try to get yeah, him so, on to talk about yeah. that. I mean, I'll reach out to him if you guys want. Yeah. No big you, deal. Uh, here's he, the deal. He, he just liked my, po- my post the other day, so don't worry about it. If you Okay, do you take him up on his, I'm on from 7 a.m. to 7.30, I will respond to every comment on my thread. No, you, have you? I bet you have. I've done it once, and he did respond. So I had, now y'all are best friends? I talked I to him in that. a Facebook group. Like in yeah, a, he He's did. in the Kajabi Facebook group, like just as a regular user, no one really knows who he is. And so it's so funny to me, like when he posts stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, here's like how to do that. And you no should one get him to sponsor is. these episodes, right? Yeah. Uh, have you bought his other course? No, because it reminds me of what's already in his LinkedIn course. Hmm. Have right. you done the other one? I haven't. I think he just takes that content piece and just expands on it. But that, that, you know, that was my thought. What's another thought that this is a conversation for another day though, because we do, we work with a lot of course creators and we have a lot of our clients spend a lot of money on filming and his is just a basic loom and yeah, it's very yeah, unproduced, unproduced, but yet it's one of the best courses I've ever taken in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that actually added a lot of legitimacy to what he was doing. I'm like, he's not spending his time making it yeah. look good. He's giving me great content. Yeah. 
exactly. I love it. Katie, thank you for your time. We love you. And we're so grateful that you're here. We love hanging out with you. We need to do this more. Okay. Thank you. Bye.